0: Elam, with its 12 springs and 70 palm trees. What a welcome sight for weary travelers. 45 days of walking through the barren desert, and now there was shade. In that stark Sinai wilderness, the only shade is found beside these great limestone outcroppings. But here, there was shade cast by trees, green trees. Seventy of them, enough for everyone, and water. Not the tired, warm water carried in skins and doled out carefully a few swallows at a time because, you know, if you ran out, well, would there be more? Here, there were 12 springs of cool, fresh water. Here, sore, blistered feet could heal, tired bodies could rest, Here, mothers could let their children run and play. And here, belongings that had been snatched up in haste as they left Egypt and crammed into bags could now be taken out, sorted out, and packed with care. And then came the order to march. This is not a place to stay. I can feel their reluctance, can't you? Think of all the times you knew that you hadn't arrived at the place in life you were supposed to be, but you found a comfortable stopping place. Wasn't there a great temptation to just quit, say, that's it, I've had enough? Lots of people do that, and I can't blame them. The trek through the wilderness is hard and dangerous, but you know, unless we're willing to journey right on through it, we'll never get to the promised land. And these were a people on the march. Orders were given, and out they went back into that blistering desert. Do you wonder that the whole congregation of the Israelites complained? You know, we read the story and we think, well, that's pretty ungrateful. They were slaves. They should be glad to be free. But, you know, it's a long way from Egypt to the Promised Land and an even longer way from the slavery of Egypt to the responsibilities of freedom. They've only begun the journey. They have no idea what lies ahead of them. I mean, at this point in the story, they haven't even gotten to Mount Sinai. So it's as they face that formidable desert that they do what so many of us do. They look back and remember what they want to remember. We sat by the flesh pots and had our fill of bread. Hello? Let's get real. What slaves then or now have had much meat in their flesh pots and their fill of bread? Most slaves go hungry most of the time. But it's so tempting to romanticize the past, isn't it? I think that's part of what Paul faced in that church in Corinth. Paul had founded the church, and Apollos then came to work with them. And rather than being grateful for two very different kinds of gifts, two different styles that each one brought, people were choosing sides. Paul was my pastor. Why should I welcome Apollos? You know, when my children were young, my family belonged to a wonderful church up in North Jersey. It was a big church. In many ways, it was more like a couple of small churches under one roof. And lots, like lots of big churches, it had several ministers. And each of these were very different. They brought different gifts. But, you know, the trap that so many people fell into there was rather than appreciate the varied gifts and the way they supported one another, they tended to choose sides. My minister is better than your minister. To churches caught in that tangle, Paul says, get on with the business of being the church. Well, the road to the future always twists and turns in interesting ways. It has gifts we can't predict. It's rather like a trip that my husband and I took out to Montana several years ago. We went to that corner of Montana that's down near Yellowstone National Park. And so, well, I was expecting to see mountains and hopefully a few wild critters. And there were mountains. And a group of mountain goats that stood watch as we drove up to the resort. But what I hadn't expected to see were the aspens. It was early fall, and the aspens had turned this beautiful golden color, and there were patches of them in amongst all the evergreens. They were like flames shining on the hillside. What a beautiful treat and something I never expected. Well, we take that journey into the unknown, and some of what it brings we can predict. And some of it comes as a welcome surprise And let's face it, some of it we would just as soon do without. Dag Hammarskjöld, some of you may remember, was one of the early secretaries of the General uh, General Council of the United Nations. And he writes, Night is dry nigh how long the road is, but for all the time the journey has taken, how you have needed every second of it, in order to learn what the road passes by. Learn what the road passes by. Sometimes it's not until much later that we realize just what it is that we've learned. And that was certainly true for this ragtag group of folk who followed Moses into the desert with only the foggiest idea of where they were going and why. Later they'd sort it all out. But for now, that journey took all of their energy. And when they stopped to think about it, they usually wound up with the complaints of, well, why isn't there anything to eat? When are we going to find water? Why did you bring us out here to die? But you know, they had to live in the interim time, the uncertain time, the time of being on the journey. And it can be a scary time. I I know I'm one of those folk who reinvented my life halfway through. And as I was coming out of seminary back in 1984, the opportunities for women were still pretty limited. You know, I put all this energy into this, and will there be a place for me? Is there a church that's going to call a woman to be their pastor? And I confessed my many misgivings to a friend who simply snapped back at me God is faithful. You know, more than once I've hung on to Carol's very sharp command God is faithful. And that's what Israel had to learn. I haven't brought you out here to die, says God. I have a much bigger plan than that. Are you hungry? Well, I'll feed you. Look, here on the ground. And when the manna came, all they could say is, What's that? And do you know, the Hebrew word manna means, What's that? (laughs) (laughs) The gifts of God come, and we don't even recognize them. We just sit and stare. My friend Pat remembers a time when it was her birthday and a lovely flock of birds came and landed on the lawn. It was a little girl, and she was just fascinated by them. And her mother said, Well, that's your birthday present from God. If you watch, you'll get one every year. Pat said, Actually, if I remember to look, I get one every day. God's gifts are all around us. We just need to learn how to recognize them. That's why when Israel finally did make it to the promised land, they put some of that manna in the ark and took it with them. Then they had tangible evidence that God is faithful. Now for all of you, this year will be a time of journey, a time of discovery. What will it bring? What will the new minister be like? Short, tall, man, woman, brown hair or blonde or gray or white, dark skin or light? Well, I like him. What skills will she bring? What weaknesses? I'm sure each one of you has your own set of questions, because it truly is now a journey into the unknown. And in the midst of that, two things are certain. First, you're going to learn a lot about yourselves. You will grow and stretch. You'll understand yourself in new ways. You'll learn to do some new things. And secondly, you can depend on God to be with you and to bring you what you need for this journey. And rather than say, what's that? Keep your eyes peeled so that you can see the sacred in the ordinary You know, God does not call us out of an old life into a new to abandon us. God is present in the journey to lead us, to direct us, and to bring us to God's future. Amen.